The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. What's up? Hey there, Mitch. This week on the show, we're going to celebrate the 5-0 and run that the Suns are on. This has been a, a blast, and more in particular, we'll talk about Devin Booker's last three games before we break down this week's games and talk about next week. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. Shout-outs are in order. Shout-out to last week's winner, at Sundress Dunks on Twitter, who got the bat question right again. He got it right on the head. Frank Kaminsky made two threes. So shout out to Sundra Stunks. And for our next bet question, make sure you tweet at us at Sunny and PHX Pod, as was mentioned earlier by me. I just don't say it because it's a pre recorded thing. But anyway, tweet at us with your answer to our bet question. We'll let you know what it is. And between the two of us, we tied. So the question was, how many threes will Frank Kaminsky hit in in last Wednesday's game? And I said one, Charlie said three, he hit two, so we're calling it a tie. Good on Frank for keeping things even there. All right, Devin Booker's last three games. Big wins over the Cavaliers, the Bucks, and the 76ers. But something all of us Suns fans can just really, really enjoy right now is Devin Booker has been really putting some things together over the last week or two here. But in the last three games, Devin Booker has scored 102 points, which is good for 34 per game, 9 for 18 from downtown, so shooting 50% from behind the line, 55% from the floor in general, and then five rebounds and five assists per game. So this has been a great streak. We've been winning some very meaningful games against, you know, some of the best teams that the East can bring over. So this is really exciting stuff for the Suns, more in particularly for Devin Booker, who, you know, he just had the big ESPN cover story. He's dropping all these points. It's almost the all-star break. Things are, all this timing just seems to be coming in real nice. Yes, it's awesome. Booker's definitely hitting his groove. I think... His slight injury was just it threw him off just a touch, and now he's back to his old self. And I mean, I think the the one play that really, really stands out to me is in the 76ers game from Saturday. He nails a three from the logo. It seals the game. It's like that is Devin Booker. Yeah, when when he's taking shots like that to seal up games like that, that just makes it just feels right. And this is something that we should maybe be getting used to a little bit more. 
We've seen our team come up cl- in the clutch nearly every time we're in those situations. If it's not Devin or D-Book, it's CP3. So it, it's it's really just been a joy. The, the clutch moments and then him just being able to put together a full game in all of these games. It, it starts in the first, it ends in the fourth. And in this one, to uh, Saturday, a little bit of a slow start in the first quarter. But, man, he, he really picked it up. And when it comes in most important in the fourth quarter, that's where he shines. Right. And I will say, in that first quarter, Ben Simmons did a really good job of defending him. And I was a little bit nervous, like, oh, wow, Ben Simmons is guarding Booker. This is going to be tough. You know, Booker garners that respect where the other team's best defender guards him. Now, I guess you could argue that Embiid is a better defender than than Simmons, obviously. But Embiid's not going to guard Booker. That's not going to make any sense. But getting Simmons on Booker, I was a little bit worried. In the first quarter, uh, Simmons won the first quarter, definitely. But it was close. We were still definitely in it. It's not like they had a huge lead right away or anything. So my thought was kind of, well, we're hanging in there and maybe Booker's not going to have to do a lot tonight. And boy, was I wrong. He just turned it on in the other quarters. So, yeah, it worked out pretty well. Yep, ab- absolutely. And the thing that that I think is happening over these last few Since he returned from injury, we got a few more games after that. But lately here, I think him and Chris are finally starting to really figure out how to work together. And we do see them staggered a little bit throughout games. Um, I I think in the second, we bring in Chris much before D-Book most of the time. Yes, yes. So we're kind of staggering that a little bit. Gives uh, Booker a nice blow on the bench, too, which is really nice that we can afford to do that early in a game to keep him ready for the fourth. Yeah, that's pretty much what we're doing exactly because then I'd say Booker and Paul usually play 10 minutes, if not more, in the fourth quarter. So that works out. And a lot of times, I guess Booker's on the floor with maybe some of the bench unit to start the fourth at times, or he comes in a little bit in, and then Chris Paul comes in later. But... For the most part, both of them are playing the majority of the fourth quarter. So it works out that we can stagger them a little bit, have at least one of those two on the court for the majority of the game, and still be rested enough that they can both play together for most of the fourth. For sure. And one thing over these last three games, you notice that he's still been turning the ball over. That's something that, you know, that that's the difference between us squeaking by and winning these games and then us kind of stomping a team is, you know, that's 10 plus possessions over these few games that we miss out on. And yeah, he he's obviously getting all the pressure. He's getting doubled how frequent, like so frequently. Almost every time he touches the ball. <clears throat> yeah, there's. You know, there's pluses and minuses. We, we see him get assists out of those situations sometimes, too. But I think that'll be something that we see cleared up. And then another thing I want to note, picking up some fouls recently in these games. And I think that is mainly just a testament to him trying on defense every possession, every matchup. He doesn't try to not get switched on to guys or anything. If he, He'll guard anybody, and he's been doing a pretty decent job of it. You can really see his strength when it comes on the defensive end there. 
Yeah, definitely. That's getting better. As far as the turnovers go this season, he's averaging 3.9 turnovers a game, which is high, but it's really not out of the ordinary for him. Over his career, his total career average is 3.3 turnovers a game. Last season, he averaged 3.8 turnovers a game. The season before, he averaged 4.1 turnovers a game. The season before that, 3.6. He's averaging just as many turnovers as he normally does. He's been getting doubled like this for his whole career, pretty much. So I'm not too concerned about the turnovers. But yeah, the effort on defense is there. He's still not a great defender, and we don't need him to be. It's fine. Yeah, there was a quote of Monty saying that he has to talk Devin out of matchups. As in, hey, we, we need you exerting your energy scoring buckets, not trying to stop them. So guard this uh, less right. the lesser option. Like, it's, it's fine. Cork Maws or... Yeah, yeah, guard him. Whoever. It's fine, man. Like, just do it. Stay in good position and help out. But we don't need you guarding their star. And, you know... In, but just looking at that in situations when we get matched up against great teams who are deep, I'm not as worried about Booker matching up against anybody like I used to be. So I think that's a big plus going forward the season overall. Yeah, I think so too. I, I do. I, I want to touch a little bit on the free throw shooting. This is the only thing that's a little bit of a, not even a concern, but it's down this year. He's shooting 82% from the line this year, which for most players is good. For Booker, it's much lower than usual. His career average is 86.8%, so almost 87% from the line. And last year, he shot almost 92% from the line, which is amazing. So the free throw shooting down a little bit. It seems that he's shooting less free throws, and the numbers tell us he's attempting 5.3 free throws a game as compared to, you know, the the past few seasons where it's closer to seven. So a couple less free throws a game. When you miss a couple, it'll make a difference when you're shooting less. I don't think it's much of an issue, but that's the one gripe that I have is the free throw shooting is just not what it was last year. Yeah, and with that... You know, the, the less you get to the line, the longer between trips, the longer you think about your last miss or your last one for two from the stripe. Right. Free throws are a meant. It's all mental. Those guys can make three pointers at a rate that, you know, the average Joe can maybe make free throws. But those guys are automatic most of the time. But it's it's all mental. So this is probably just a little funk. He's going to kick it. And, you know, yeah. if he. I, I would not be surprised if he ends up closer to his career average by the time the season's over. Right. I agree. And it's still encouraging that to say being down on his three point or his free throw percentage is 82%. Right. That's a good thing. Yeah. If, if you shoot over 75%, I'm, I'm it's cool fine. with it more or yeah. less. So it's not even flirting with that number. So I'm, I'm right. cool with it, but we were spoiled last year shooting 91, 92% through most of the season. So we, we expect a lot. So it's, good. It's fair. Well, we can't rag on him for it, especially no, when, no. when he puts in 102 points over the last three games, you can excuse right. a few missed free throws. I do think I want to rag on the refs a little bit. I try not to do this on the podcast, 
But I feel like Booker still doesn't get the respect he deserves from the refs. To know he's only getting to the line around five times, shooting five free throws, not getting to the line five times, shooting five free throws a game. That is ridiculous, especially when we see... Now, Giannis is way different, but Giannis shooting 29,000 free throws or whatever it was. He shot a lot of free throws. Someone like Luka shoots a lot of free throws. Harden, obviously. And now their games are different. I get that. But Booker takes some hits on the way to the rim. And there's no whistle. And he's sliding across the court. And I I, I think it's going to start to get better. But it seems like the refs still don't give him some of those superstar calls yet. Right. And this might be a recency bias because we just watched the Sixers game. And it seems like he got to the rim quite a few times in this game. Beautiful left-handed finishes where it seems like he's taking some contact. Not getting hammered by any means, but he's taking contact. He hits the ground and you just think that would have been blown a whistle had it happened on the other end. And Man, I don't know. It, it, it's a, the homer coming out or what, what the situation is, but it feels like we just get, we do not get the whistles. And the free throw numbers, they do show it too. That's right. Yeah. I mean, this Bucks game, I know we're going to talk about it later, but if Giannis wouldn't have shot all those free throws, we would have won this game by 10 maybe rather than one. Oh, so. yeah. And. We'll, we'll talk about it more, too, but at, at one point, Giannis was shooting and making more free throws than the Suns as a team. As a team. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. But back to the positivity from Booker. He's our leader, too. Chris Paul obviously is a leader, but Booker's the guy. Booker's been here for so long. He's the fan favorite. I saw a quote recently that he said, this is what he's been waiting for as he's just put his head down and focused on the game for five years. Now it's paying off. And I'm excited to see what that payoff looks like in the future. I'm interested if uh, we'll hear more from Devin Booker once the success comes. Yeah. You know, he does keep it quiet. He'll hop on Twitch and stream some Call of Duty every once in a while, but he's not like all over Twitter. He doesn't go crazy on anything, but... I wonder if we'll hear a little bit more. You know, maybe a little... I wouldn't be opposed to some cockiness from the guy. Yeah. I could sign up for that. Nothing crazy, you know? I don't want him to be, like, a hated player or anything. Right. He doesn't need to be a troll. No, no, But he also doesn't need to be TJ Warren. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I was just, like, the scale between Joel, Troel, Embiid... And TJ Warren on the other end of it. That's pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Booker's much closer to TJ at this point. Right. And I don't mind that. I don't mind that. But with wins, maybe he can uh, talk a little more smack. I wouldn't be opposed. Anyways, let's move it on and talk about, you know, these these three wins that we just talked about for D-Book just showing out. But let's get into the games a little bit more. And we'll start with the game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. A win, 119 to 113. Devin Booker with 36 in this one, eight assists, five rebounds, and got some nice help from the rest of the starting lineup. Bridges with a nice bounce back game here 22 points, four rebounds, five assists, eight for 10 from the floor, one for two from three. Really nice seeing him get back on track. 
And then Etwan Moore started this game. Chris Paul wasn't in here. And he had 17 points and four assists. So what what a great night from Etwan stepping in for Chris Paul. Yeah. It's so nice to have this plug and play ability. The depth that we have, especially for the guard spots, is great. And just as a reminder, Javon Carter is not a horrible player. Javon Carter is okay. And he doesn't play. We're at this point where we don't have to play our okay players. Last year, Javon Carter had a prominent second unit role. Yeah. And this year, we don't need that. And it's amazing. Nothing against Javon. I like Javon. But it's no, just so nice. I think uh, Javon will have his place throughout the rest of the year, even if he's not logging minutes consistently in every game. But, right. you know, sometimes someone needs to get shut down, and you can put Javon Carter in to do that. And he's a nice little spark plug in that sense. Yeah. Javon's a good guy to practice against, too. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. But this Cavs game... It was exciting because the Cavs are not the best team, but they've beaten good teams. They beat the Nets twice. We talked about that last week. They they do some exciting things. I really like Colin Sexton, who played well in this game. They had Andre Drummond and Jarrett Allen. They have these kind of odd, very large lineups. But, I mean, we just were in control of this game the majority of the time. We only won by six, and if you kind of look at the, the scoring overview, we take a big lead, it comes down, the Cavs take a little bit of the lead towards the end, and then Booker and Chris Paul just go and do their thing. And There's times where it feels like we are toying with these teams a little bit, and then we just go and actually win. Uh, I know that's really not the case, but it feels like it a little bit sometimes. No, I I really see where you're coming from, and yeah, like if it weren't for Colin Sexton in this game, this would have been a blowout. Like yeah. he's a really good player, and it, it's just tough seeing. You know, we're we're used to that seeing a good player kind of stuck on a rough team, and how long will it be yeah. until he gets the help? I think you know Sexton and Garland are both pretty pretty nice pieces. You get Jared Allen there now, so you can get rid of Drummond, however, whenever that's possible. Right. I don't know. It, it's a pretty fun squad, but. It's obviously, like, you're going to go double Twin Towers, Drummond, and Allen against us? Well, we got Frank Kaminsky for that, and... (laughs) (laughs) I almost made it through that without without cracking up, but uh, Frank's just been a blessing in the starting lineup. We Frank's... Frank, you know, he starts things off, he almost gets a triple-double, and Monty says, hey, why not? Let's toss him in the starting lineup. (laughs) And then we go on a nice five five win streak, and it's, this is so weird. Let's yeah. let's just be honest about that. Yeah, <laughs> it is weird, and yeah, Sexton had twenty three points on ten for fifteen shooting. That's about as good as it's gonna get. That's that's really nice. So yeah, without him, they they would have struggled a lot more. But, yeah, I mean, this was a well-balanced game, too. You know, Booker has 36, of course. That's what he's going to do. But Aiton has 15. Bridges, 22. Etuan, 17. Frank has 9. Like, it, it's it's pretty distributed, aside from Booker doubling most of those point totals. But still, it's it's nice that we have all that contribution. And then... 
I mean, the bench didn't do much, but we didn't need them to. Right, and this is a depleted bench, and we will talk about that more. And when we talk about the 76ers, everybody finally healed up, which was very nice to see. But, yeah, this one, uh, Langston Galloway, nine off the bench, Cam Johnson at eight, Carter with three. And, you know, that's that's not a ton, but it was enough to get by against these guys, and that's – that's great. And shout out DeAndre Ayton, 16 rebounds, half of them offensive against Drummond and Allen lineups. Yeah. That, that's that's impressive. impressive. Yeah. Three blocks, too. Seven for 11 shooting. Ayton, I, I just think that this is what the, the reality of Ayton is going to be. Ayton is going to do a ton for the team, and it's just not going to be that flashy. He's probably not going to have these big 30-point games or these – 20 point, 20 rebound games. And that's fine. If you you can go 15 and 16 with seven for 11 shooting, give me that every night. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, even he he didn't do a ton in the uh, Bucks game or the 76ers game when it comes to scoring output. Uh, He had a decent game against the Bucks, but it's just going to be a quiet, nice game in a win. That, that's what we need. We, You know, he's the number one pick overall, and you expect a ton out of him, but if he's going to play solid and we win games, I don't think we can complain about too much. Right, right. There's yeah. so much help for him now. I mean, Right. It, it makes a huge difference, yeah. And then I, we just shot well all together. So Aiton was 7 for 11, Booker 14 for 27, which when you're shooting 27 shots, 14, that's pretty good. Bridges was 8 for 10. Frank was 4 for 9. Etwan Moore was 7 for 10. We just shot the ball really efficiently. Yeah, that's, you know, pretty much everybody on the team, aside from our bench guys, shot, yeah, everybody shot over 50%. The team went 52% from the floor. Yeah. Almost 46% from three. That's solid. That's. And Booker hits five threes in this game. Five for nine. Yeah. That's nice. We've been waiting for this. You know, we watched this guy win a three-point championship, three-point contest championship. And then throughout the seasons, it, it, it he doesn't seem like an elite three-point shooter a lot of the time. But especially to people who don't watch a ton and just follow stats and see his numbers. Mm-hmm. But as fans who watch every game, he's just such a pure shooter. You think everything he shoots is going to go down. So it's kind of surprising seeing his numbers somewhat low for like career average three point numbers, but I don't think it's something we can complain about. You know, he's a volume scorer. He's going to take tons of shots and he's going to end up scoring 25 a game. So it's, it's fine. It is. It <laughs> is. And he's hit so many big threes and clutch moments too. He's missed a couple too, but it's going to happen. Sure. I, I just feel like he, he has that clutch factor and you want the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Even if he has no points, you still put the ball in his hand at the end of the game. Totally. Yeah. All right, we move it on to the Bucks game. And what what a big win, just a, a monumental win for the Suns. This one was on ESPN. We beat the Bucks 125 to 124. We withstand Giannis going insane against us and win by one in the fourth, outscore him by four in the fourth quarter to win. So I I don't have much to say other than this is probably the best win of the season. 
And one of the better wins. And, you know, we kind of have the Bucks number, oddly enough, over the last yeah. few years. We always yeah. kind of stick it to them. But, man, this one this one did feel special. And it just feels like we're, we're turning a corner. And yeah. not, not a corner from, you know, maybe we're trying to get a top four odds in the lottery pick to we're trying to get out of the lottery. I mean, this, this feels like this is a team that can compete with anybody in the playoffs. I, yeah. In the playoffs. Yes. I think we can compete with a lot of teams. We can. Yeah. I think this is going to be one of those games that a few months from now, when we're looking at playoffs and everything like that, we will be able to look back at this game and see it was where we turned the corner. This game was huge. We overcame a 16-point deficit where Giannis had 47 points and shot, I think, what, 27 free throws? It was just a ridiculous amount. 21 free throws. Might as well have been 27. If it's over 20, you can just say whatever you right. want. <laughs> so this, this is what amazes me. We're down 16 at... Just about halftime. We bring it a little bit closer before halftime, but toward the end of the second, we're down 16 points. Third quarter, we they explode the second quarter. We explode the third. Both 39 points in those quarters. Now we get to the fourth, and it takes 30 seconds for us to tie the game, and we never look back. We go up and never lose the lead. It was, It was awesome. It was so great. No, that's that's a really good feeling to have. Looking back over the last few years at a team who couldn't keep a lead, if they got the lead, they they weren't going to keep it. You knew it was going to happen. And then you see this happen against the Bucks, who, you know, one of the best teams in the East. Oh man, I'm just so happy. I, yeah. I know that's that's not great podcast material, but I am so happy. I am so happy. <laughs> yeah, this I mean this was one of the better games we've played in the last 10 years. Yeah. It was it was unreal. How about this? You tell me that we're playing the Bucks, Giannis scores 47 and shoots 21 free throws and makes 17 of them, which yeah. is insane. Wow. But anyways, he scores 47 and they have five other guys score in double digits and you tell me that the Suns win that game. I'd tell you right. that you're crazy. Right. Like we're with able to withstand things like that because we have we have firepower from every position. Yeah, yeah. Booker with thirty, Chris Paul with twenty-eight, Aiton with seventeen, Bridges with fifteen. Frank Frank almost had a triple double. Fourteen, eight, and eight. He's closer than he was the first time we said he had a triple double. <laughs> uh, I can't that's, believe it. So this. fun. That's fun, man. It Frank is. Kaminsky, man. Uh, I'm I'm just ecstatic about this. And it feels like, yeah, this win, best win of the season, best oh, win yeah. we've seen as Suns fans in years. Right. And, you know, this isn't meaningful yet, this game. You know, this is just a win in the regular season. But take it how it's you want it. I'm going to take it that it's a turning point. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, this is – I haven't felt this way about the Suns since – Maybe longer than 10 years ago. The 2010 team was, it wasn't quite like some of the others. I probably haven't felt this way about the sun since 06 or 07. Yeah, it's been a long time. This is, 
This is cool. Thanks, Chris Paul. You're the man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's keep it moving, though. We played the 76ers. We won 120-111. to Just a, another great game. You know, riding high off that Bucks win, we come back, and we beat another great team in the East. This is this is a blast. And, you know, we start Frank Kaminsky again. <laughs> we match him up on Ben Simmons. <laughs> Who saw that coming? I didn't. I thought we'd probably put him on Tobias and put Mikhail on Ben Simmons. But, it, you know, it obviously, honestly, makes sense to flip that because this <laughs> did work out pretty well. And, obviously, Harris can do a little bit more, a little more versatile when it comes to scoring. But, I mean... Frank Kaminsky starts, plays 11 minutes is all. And that's because we got the whole gang back. Dario Saric plays his first game in how long? And same with campaign. We get both these guys back and it just seems like everything's complete. We have so much more depth now. You know, we don't have to rely on putting Javon Carter in, in that situation. You know, he, he got some, he got some uh, end of the game minutes because we, we handled the 76ers so well, but it's just so fantastic. We, we finally got everybody back Booker with another big game and I'm ready for the next one after this one. I'm, I'm just all hyped up. Yeah. I'm so excited. So I guess this is where we put this note in too. We're recording this Saturday after the game, just because of some scheduling stuff. So we're not going to talk about the Orlando game. Uh, we're going to try to put this episode out a little bit earlier. Not going to talk about the Orlando game. Uh, but then we'll we'll focus more on the Nets game and, and the other games we have coming up. But I'm still riding this excitement from beating the 76ers and kind of easily. It, it, I shouldn't say easily, but it felt kind of easy. So if we look at in the Bucks game, it's the beginning of the fourth quarter. We tie it up and take the lead and never look back. Well, we did it in the third quarter in this game against the Sixers. They have just a little bit of a lead, five points halfway through the third quarter, and we say, okay, yeah, we're ready to win, and we erase that lead and never look back. And wow, it felt good. <clears throat> Booker hits that three from the logo, like I said earlier, to seal the game. Chris Paul plays really well. <laughs> Kaminsky doesn't play much, but man, is it good to have Dario back. And Dario, I mean, Dario knows MB's moves. You can just tell he knows right. what he's going to do. He right. picks his pocket a couple times, gets the fast break going. And I think one thing with Dario that can really be overlooked is he's smart. Dario is such a smart player. And I shouldn't say it's overlooked. I think most people know this, but I don't think people realize how smart he is. I mean, he makes these passes without hardly even touching the ball. He knows right where everyone's going to be at all times. When he is on the fast break, he always makes the right pass. It was so good to have him back after missing 13 games. Oh, thir- 13, 13 is too many. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, when you say the, the touch passes, like I get excited every time we get an offensive rebound and that ball starts whipping around the perimeter because you know it's going to end with somebody wide open. And Dario is a, he's just so, so much fun to watch in that case. But yeah, he's smart because he's the most unathletic guy on the court in every matchup, every time he's on the court, more or less. (laughs) And he's still out there getting stats. Like he had a steal in this one, assists, some buckets. And when, when Embiid tried to bully him down right underneath the rim, Dario had great position. He he knew what was coming. 
and he uh it wasn't a block shot i don't think it was a steal but he just kind of stuffed Embiid, not even able to make a move to get up to the rim with it and man and i want to piggyback on something i don't want to cut dario short here but in this game Embiid was going at dario every time dario was in he was trying to take him to the rim but with Aiton on the court Embiid wanted nothing to do with trying to attack the rim with deandre Aiton guarding him i don't think he even attempted to get into the paint he just settled for jumpers which he was making at a pretty pretty solid clip especially early in the game mm-hmm. but you texted me. You said, man, Embiid's killing us. I said, I'll settle for the jumpers for now. But, man, he didn't even try to test Aiton, which is surprising. It's really surprising. Like, why wouldn't he even try it? Why not, yeah. Why not? you know, let Aiton stuff you once and then be scared away from it? He just didn't even attempt it. Yeah, I don't understand. Because I, maybe they didn't watch film. Giannis just bullied us in the paint. Got to the right. line, 20, shot 21 free throws, dunked all over us, scored 47 points, still lost. But mm-hmm. you'd think that after that, Embiid would be like, okay, I'm just going to do everything to bully my way into the paint. But Embiid's out here shooting mid-range jumpers like Aiton for the last couple years. <laughs> yeah, that was very interesting. I I didn't really see that coming, especially because, you know, Aiton kind of called Embiid out when he was a rookie, and Embiid's had his number more or less since then. But it just seemed like he didn't want any part of Aiton, which is very weird. And, you know, if, if I were the Sixers, I'd say, let's get Aiton in foul trouble, first of all. Then they have to play Dario or put in Damian Jones at center. And then that's when things can really fall off. But they... They settled for jumpers, and I'm thankful for it. Yeah, it it worked out quite well, definitely. All right. It's all, well, we also got to say, it's nice to have Campaign back. Campaign also missed a few games, and it, just his ability to get to the rim. You said this before we started recording. His ability to collapse the defense and get other guys open. He's got decent finishing ability, especially for his size. I'd say good finishing ability for his size. It's nice to have him back. And I didn't think he was going to play as much as he did today. When I saw he was available, I thought, oh, Monty will probably ease him in. But nope, just back to how things were. Monty likes his rotation, and it works, so I'll take it. Yeah, 15 minutes for Payne today, four points one assist, one steal. I just love that he's pesky. He's always going to make it interesting for whoever's bringing up the ball. He's always playing balls to the wall too. So he never takes a playoff and, you know, not that Javon or anybody on our team does, but you can always look forward to, to campaign, just bringing it whenever he's on the court. Yeah. It's good to have everyone back. Oh, a hundred percent. And then Chris Paul in this one, 18 points, 10 assists, eight rebounds, just, you know, doing a little bit of everything. Chris Paul, State Farm commercials on, you know, during the break. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's just, it's still so weird. We're, we're becoming it popular and it's really It is nice. very weird. <laughs> like, thanks, again, thanks, Chris Paul. Like, yeah. Doing a lot yeah. of things for us this year and it's, it's a blast. Yeah, it's so great. All right, let's move it on to next week's games. Talk about these a little bit. And the first one 
is against the Nets. That's on Tuesday. And I believe that's at 8 p.m. I know there were some time yes. changes in our games. It is 8. That's an 8 p.m. game, yeah. 8 local. Okay. So this one, I mean, we've been talking about it. We're riding high. We're on a five-game win streak. We've we've beaten the Bucks. We've beaten the 76ers. We beat the Celtics last week, too. Now we get the Nets. Can we handle the Nets? Do you think we got this one? Can we? Yes, I think we can. Will we? I don't know. If we lose this game, I won't be mad. If we lose one game after playing all the best teams in the East, fine. Yeah. We could win, though. I mean, we really could. If we can beat the Sixers, if we can beat the Bucks, it's going to be tough to handle Harden and Kyrie and Kevin Durant. But I really do think we have a chance in this one. I think we do, too. And, you know, we'll be fresh. This isn't until Tuesday, so we'll have a nice little break in between there. It's our last game of our homestand that we're on. We'll probably want to end that with a win. I I see us just coming out hard in this one. And, man, you know that these guys are feeling something like we're feeling right now, feeling pretty excited, feeling like they want to prove it now. And there's there's no better opportunity going up against a team like this. And I, I don't know. How do you think we really match up? Like if it's going to be interesting because Chris Paul is going to, I don't know if we're going to be able to, no one's going to get a break on defense. Right. You know what I mean? That's going to yeah, be tough. I was just thinking this and how we match up will be interesting. Cause I imagine, I imagine Chris Paul is going to guard Kyrie I imagine Bridges is going to guard Harden. And then I imagine we put Crowder or Aiton on KD. But if DeAndre Jordan's in, we I guess we put Aiton on him. And then we have to put Crowder or Cam Johnson on Durant, which I prefer Crowder. It's going to be tough. It's going to be very difficult. Yeah, that that's like you're going to have your hands full against those guys no matter what. And if any if there's any lapses it's going to be really tough to beat them. Like you, the, the offense has got to be there. You can't foul them too much. You got to get to the line ourselves. It, it's going to be a lot. The, the Nets are, they're just a different animal. Right. And I just imagine them when it comes playoff time, I'm glad they're out in the East, but wow. Yeah. I, I'm they're excited for this matchup though, because we've been talking about this as to what extent of how good are the Suns? Like, are we a, are we a contender? <laughs> we laugh about that because, it, you know, are we a playoff team? We got a kick out of that just a few weeks ago, but it feels like that's cemented. We're a playoff team now. Now we get to talk about, can we can we hang with these guys? This is a, this is a big test, and I think the Lakers game is one too. But I want to see how we play against these guys. Are we going to get – I don't think we're going to get blown out. I think we're past those days. Maybe if we're playing the Pistons or something, they'll blow us out again. But <laughs> I don't think we're going to allow a team like that to blow us out. I, yeah, yeah. Well, I think we'll definitely make it interesting. And again, if we lose, so be it. We just played all the best teams in the East and looked really good. Yep, yeah. So I have I have high hopes for our team. I'm not. I'm not even truly expecting a win, but... Being competitive, making the game go down to the wire, that's what I'd love to see. Just just hang with them like that. I'll be happy. A win would be a cherry on top. 
Yes. And this is our bet question game. So, at SunnyPHXPod on Twitter, let us know what you think the answer to this is going to be, and whoever's closest will get a shout-out on the show. Our question this week is, how many points will Mikhail Bridges score? Now, Mikhail has been up and down. 22 points here, 4 points here. 20 points here, 6 points here. So, kind of all over, we like to choose some stats that are, you know, either either uh, relevant or maybe difficult to predict. So, what do you think? How many points is Mikhail going to have in this one? Um, let's go. I'm going to go 16 with this one. I'm feeling a bit of a bounce back. And, you know, when we play teams, they, they've got to be worried about probably Booker first, Chris Paul second, eight and third. Guys like McHale and Johnson and uh, Crowder, they're going to get forget forgotten about a little bit. They'll guard the weak. They'll get, they'll draw the weakest matchup. Kind of like what happened with McHale and Curry in this most recent game. Yeah. I think McHale should be able to take advantage of situations like that because he kind of gets forgotten about once in a while. So I think he's due for a, a bit of a higher output game. Okay. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to say eight, which is more than he scored in this game against the 76ers. And I think just for the same reasons that you said, in a game like this, he's just not going to take very many shots. Booker and Chris Paul are going to be shooting a lot more. Aiton, when DeAndre Jordan's out, Aiton especially will will be getting the ball a little bit more. So, yeah, I just don't think he's going to take a lot of shots. Maybe he hits a couple threes, gets to the line a little bit. I'm going to go eight. All right. At Sunny and PHX Pod, you give us your, your guess. Let us know. All right. Game after this one is the Pelicans. And before we start this one, I looked at this one on the schedule and realized we hadn't lost or haven't lost currently since the last time we played the Pelicans, where they embarrassed us a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, kind of like this Nets game where we we know what's coming, a very solid team. I feel like there's going to be a little bit on the line for this one. We We go to New Orleans for this one. We play them on their home court. And if it were me, I'd want a little revenge here. So I kind of expect our boys to come out strong against the Pelicans, who who have been playing a lot better lately too. So it, I think it will be a good game, but I think that's another one that might be a little more meaningful than some others. Yeah, and while I am enjoying beating these good teams in the East, these games against the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, if we play the Spurs, the Blazers, teams like that, they're going to be that much more impactful just because of playoff seeding and, and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I am looking forward to this game. I think it's a tough matchup. The Pelicans are one of those teams that we just don't match up well against. Steven Adams tends to play really well against the Suns. Zion played really well against us last time. Eric Bledsoe, you never really know what you're going to get with Bledsoe. He might be willing to put in a little effort and play really well, or he might just lay an egg. We saw that a lot with the Suns. So he can be kind of unpredictable. Lonzo Ball played really well last time we played the Pelicans. They still have J.J. Redick, who can get hot quick. So yeah, the Pelicans are, it's, it's a little bit of a trap game as we saw 
uh, the last time we played them. And yeah, I think it would be really nice to, to beat them. And then if we do, we would take the lead in the series two to one. Right. That would, that would always feel nice winning those season series against teams in the West. I mean, we need that and it'll finally matter when we get into the playoffs and it actually matters how many wins we have compared to how many losses. So that's cool. Right. Right. All right. And the final game of next week is against the Grizzlies in Memphis Saturday at seven. And this is a, you know, it feels like a bit of a respite after playing the Pels, the Nets, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Celtics. But this isn't a game that we can just, you know, forget about because they beat us last time we played without right. Jaron Jackson Jr. They're still without him, but they give us problems. And I hope that we can keep up our effort against teams that, you know, aren't some of the better ones in the league. Yeah. These are teams that we're supposed to be. And the Grizzlies gave the Lakers some trouble. Now the Lakers pulled away and, and won the game pretty easily at the end of all of it. But the Grizzlies are not a bad team. I think they're better than their record shows and we have to be careful with them because they have guys who can get hot too. And like Dylan Brooks, he just tends to play really well against us, even though he's not quite as amazing as he might look when, when he plays us. But yeah, we just got to watch out for that kind of stuff. hundred percent. And I always worry about playing the Grizzlies and, you know, in Memphis, that's a whole nother thing too. They're always loud. Are they, do they have fans there yet? I don't know. I think at this point, most teams do have some yeah. fans in the arenas. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough place to play. They have a good good fan base, I will say yeah. that. I'm sure it gets loud there even at 25% capacity or whatever they do. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. But, yeah, wins in the West, that's what we need. Bank them up. Yeah, should be a good one. And with that, we will move to our non-sports section of the show. So... The question this week is, what do you collect? Oh, well, sports-wise, I do collect some memorabilia. And I still, I think I still own pretty much every baseball card that I've ever bought over my entire life. So I'd, I'd say that's quite a big collection that I have. And then on the side, I like collecting hats, fitted hats. I'll, I might not even wear it. I just have like a, a weird thing for them where I, I, I like how they look. I don't know. They're on my shelf in my office. I just like, I have a nice variety. Suns, Diamondbacks, Dolphins, Twins. Just a, you know, I don't know. They're fun to collect. You can always wear them too. I mean, they're not just uh, sitting on my shelf. You can always toss it on. So hats, baseball cards, both kind of sports related, but probably my biggest collections there yeah yeah i didn't even think about that i would say i guess i'd say i collect hats too then i have a lot of hats sports wise i i collect miscellaneous sports memorabilia sons and broncos especially some d-backs yeah a lot of gonzaga stuff too um I actually recent did, recently did throw some stuff away, which was tough for me. But Ooh. yeah, just uh, I have a lot of things like uh, longtime listeners of the show will know I was in the band that uh, played at the Gonzaga games and traveled with the team to the tournaments and stuff. So I, I still collected like all of my um, 
wristbands. We'd have like security wristbands and all of that. And I kept all of those and I wrote the, the game and the result, the score of the game that that was for. So I still have that in, in the case actually for my, my base that I played at the game. So um, collect that kind of stuff. Non-sports wise, I collect a lot of things. So it's like, where do I even begin? A lot of cards. Uh, I think I may still have my old football and basketball and baseball cards from a kid. I don't know. I'd have to go back to Wyoming and look. But <laughs> currently, uh, I am into Magic the Gathering. I play that and collect those cards. Pokemon cards I was into a lot like a year ago. I collect that. A lot of stuff for music, records, um, Spotify is a little bit different, but I have a record player, so I collect a lot of records. Um, yeah, I'm just like looking around. I'm like, there's a lot more I could talk about, but those are some of the big ones. I used to have a pretty mad keychain collection. I gave up that, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say I have a key collection, not Ooh. even a chain. I have a lot of keys. I can't even fit them in my pocket sometimes. I just have so many keys. I know what I'll get you for your birthday. I'll get you a nice key ring. Chant <laughs> like a custodian used to wear on his loop. Nice yeah, ring of keys for point. you. It is getting to that point. All right. That wraps things up. We thank you for tuning in. Fun week of Suns basketball. We're on a winning streak. Let's hope that keeps going through this one. Uh, check us out on social media at Sunny and PHX Pod. And we will see you again next week. Go Suns.